sea, a God that was able to take the, take the water out of the sea and be able to produce, uh, be able to take it into the, rain, into the clouds and have rain fall onto the earth and produce crops and to produce, uh, to produce offspring. They believed that Baal was able to produce offspring or, or uh, it, they believed that if Baal were to uh, unite with another God that it would be able to produce life. And so it was an insult to Ahab at this time when, when Elijah said there's not going to be any rain for three years. So for three years, God takes a Elijah and hides him, and there's, there's more into the story, but we don't have time to go over it. But then God resurfaces Elijah at this part in the story, okay? And God resurfaces Elijah, and this is what Ahab says, Are you, art thou he that troubleth Israel? And this is what Elijah said, and he said in verse number 18, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all, all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the, and the prophets of the gross 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Verse number 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said... Realize he said he came unto all the people. It's not just, he's not just talking to the 450 prophets of Baal. He's talking to also the children of Israel, which came as well. Okay, He's speaking to all the people, and he says this. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And then the people answered him, not a word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. And Lord, we do thank you for your blessings on our church and on our youth department. And Lord, for the revival that we saw this week. And Lord, I pray that we would just, uh, that you would... Um, uh, hide me behind your cross, Lord. I pray that you'd empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. Lord, I love you and I thank you for our church and pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I understand in this story here that you might say, well, we, we don't worship Baal today. No, but Baal has, uh, has been replaced today with other gods that mirror some of the same practices. Historians tell us that in those, in those times, because Baal was a god of fertility, that people would would gather around and be engaged in open immorality in these services to Baal. Also, they would also play all kinds of wild and reckless music. And they would also, because they believed that Baal was the cause of offspring, they would also sacrifice their children in the fire in order for Baal to, to respond to them. You might say, well, we, we aren't worshiping Baal today. No, but I found that a lot of Christians that will gather around and watch immorality. I found a lot of believers that will gather around and listen to and listen to rock music and listen to different kinds of music that's an immoral, listen to different kinds of things that aren't godly. I found that a lot of believers have, have espoused themselves to the idea that it's okay that for abortion to be okay. It's okay to take from a mother's womb. It's okay to, to destroy a baby. And uh, I found that a lot of Christians do that. And I understand, and you might say, uh, you might say, well, I don't really do all of those things. But the thing is, Baal worship today can be multiple different things. It could be TV, it could be your music, it could be, it, could be your, it could be your friends, it could be news, it could be all different kinds of things. The question I have for you tonight is this, is that, you know, many times we often find ourselves, we'll be in front of a TV or maybe in front of our cell phone, that's the most common thing in, in, in today's society is in front of a cell phone. We'll find ourselves in front of a cell phone for about 20 to, uh, 15 to 20 hours a week, but maybe an hour, and I'm being generous, maybe an hour behind our Bible. The question tonight is, how long halt ye, church, between two opinions? 
the thing, the, thing, the thing that Elijah's trying to get everybody to realize here is quit straddling the fence. Don't, don't, don't straddle the fence. What do we mean, Brother Moses? What I mean is you dress up nice, come to church happy, and you're ready to praise the Lord. And then on Monday, you're just right back to your old self. How long haunt you between two opinions? How long are you going to be playing games with God? How long are you going to hang on to whatever addiction you may have? And, and I'm, I'm just going across the board here. It might be an addiction of sin. It might be a trial that you're just not trusting God in. I, it might be anything. But how long are you going to just halt between two opinions and before you realize, you know what, God, you're in control. You're the one that's in control. How long halt you between two opinions? For, in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 15, it says, I know thy works, this is God speaking, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. Make up your mind, is what he's saying. Pick a side. And that's exactly what Elijah is saying here to the children of Israel. This is why he says, he said to all the people, to those that, that say, uh, we're saved, we're believers in Jesus Christ. How long halt you between two opinions? Ye that believe in Jesus Christ, how long are you going to stay in sin? How long are you going to uh, keep uh, casting off God, ye prophets of Baal? This is what Elijah's presenting to these people here today. And let me tell you something. We can't be the in-between Christians today. We can't be that. Today, we must be exclusive that we are serving God and Him alone. We've got to let people know that. How long halt you between two opinions? This is the first thing I see. Is, is we must have a willingness to stand alone. Elijah had a willingness to stand alone. 450 prophets of Baal, and also in the willing, there's, there's many of us, and I, and I speak to teenagers a lot, and I love teenagers. I, I love being able to uh, be able to uh, be a part of their lives. I love being able to see them grow in the Lord and different things. So oftentimes I'll use illustrations of friends from school and different things, but this could be friends from work, your coworkers. This could be, uh, 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 you could put yourself in this example in any way you want to, but the fact of the matter is, many times we find ourselves, it'll either, we will either be thrust into the position of alone and having to make a decision on whether we're going to say, I'm picking God's side or I'm picking Baal's side. We're either thrust into that position or we'll find out here in a second, we're going to have to make that choice. And we still have a choice even when we're thrust in the position to say, you know what, I'm good. Or to say, or laugh along with whatever's going on. We have a choice to make. We must have a willingness to stand alone. During what? During insulting confrontations. During insulting confrontations. I believe with all my heart that Ahab, in verse number 17, he talks to, he talks to Elijah with an insulting confrontation to Elijah because of who he knew God was. The one and only God. Don't you think it's, it would be kind of intimidating to Ahab to have someone come up and stick his finger in his face and say, you know what, you're serving the wrong God. You're in sin, and my God's going to take rain for three years. Understand who Ahab is. Ahab's the king at this time. Ahab could say, you're dead. And yet Elijah said, no matter what you do to me, he made a stand alone. And said, even during this, in, this a confrontation that I'm having with you right now, I'm going to stand on what God tells me to do. Let me tell you something. Even we today oftentimes would find ourselves cowering. How do we get to that point? Well, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Let me tell you something. It's going, we're going to have problems in our lives as Christians. We're going to have issues with people. We're going to have insulting confrontations. But will you stand 
for God? Will you say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, no matter what the cost? Not only during insulting confrontations, but also during intimidating crowds. This is what Satan gets us with a lot. Understand, 450 prophets of Baal. That's a lot of people. 450 prophets of Baal, and he's here saying, my God, not your God, is going to win this duel. 450 prophets of Baal. We must make a stand no matter how big the crowd. And this is where I'd look at the teenagers and say, no matter what your friends say at school, don't do it if it's a contrary to the word of God. I understand we're talking to the church here today, so let's say it like this. No matter what your coworkers say, no matter what your coworkers want you to do, no matter where you think you might want to be, don't do it if it's contrary to the word of God. Make a willingness to say, God, even if I'm alone, I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I love the story of the, I love this story. It is so good. It is so good. So he made, he made a stand during insulting confrontation, during intimidating crowds. He made a stand to say, you know what? This is what I'm going to do because God wants me to do it. He also made a willingness to stand during intense challenges. Understand, this is a duel that's going on here. This is what he basically says. You put your God over there and do what you think you need to do over there. And I'll have my God over here. And I'll do my little thing over here. And whoever comes out top, on top... He wins. How many in years have challenges? Maybe not quite like that, but how many in years have challenges with other uh, either believers or uh, sinners in the world? Oh, yeah. Non-believers, forgive me. We're all sinners. We've had, we've had situations in our lives that challenge us, that make us get into a position where we have to make a choice, where we have to say, you know what? No matter what, I'm going to be willing to stand alone for God. No matter what the cost, no matter what happens to me, no matter how insulting it might be to my character, no matter how insulting it may be to me personally or physically or to my family, I am going to stand on what God's word says because God's word is what we need to believe in in the first place. It is our biblical authority. Also, he had a willingness to stand alone during, immov during an immovable conviction. The immovable conviction here was, I am not going to bow to Baal. I'm not serving your little G God. Do, do we have families today in the church that say, you know what? Serving God and believing in God's word is still worth it. Oh, my. Do we believe in our church today that families need to have the word of God as their structure and their foundation in their home so that we can stand for Jesus Christ? Now we're getting there. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. We as families and we as, as, as young ladies and young men, we need to stand on God's word and say, no matter what the cost, no matter if I die today, no matter, King, if you take my head tonight, I am going to say, you're wrong because the Bible says so. Now, granted, I don't mean you don't kick them. You don't, you don't you know, be hateful with them. You do speak the truth in love. Absolutely. But let me, on your, let me, let me just, I'm going to get on, on a little thing here. There's a lot of people in the world that don't understand when, when, when people say, well, I don't, I don't understand why God would do such things. And, and God is love. Yes, he is. He is absolutely love. Love is God. But he's a judging God. He's a righteous God. With sin comes consequences. 
Many times when people say, I don't understand why I'm getting treated like this or why God's doing this to me, many times it's because you're in the wrong. Can I just be honest and upright with you? Or you don't know the truth. God is a loving God, absolutely. We are to treat others with love, but we're to still to make a stand and not jeopardize our character and our testimony. I'm off that, okay, I'm off. During an immovable conviction, he made it clear that I am not going to bow to Baal. Husbands, have you made it clear that you're going to lead your home and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? Let me tell you something. I have really, I have really enjoyed the series that pastors preaching on Sunday mornings. I really have. Last week and this morning, I've, I've loved it. It's been wonderful. And I'm not doing this to make, give pastor a big head. I understand that. But I love my pastor. I really do. I love my pastor, and I think that God has really touched him and his family and that he's in the position that he needs to be in. We've been blessed. We've been greatly blessed as a church to have the leaders that have been in place, Brother Pastor Tolbert, Pastor, Pastor John, and our deacons. We've been very blessed. And yet we as, as Christians today, we, we tend to come to church and we get our Sunday over with and then Monday comes along and we're just right back where we are. How long honk you between two opinions? Are you willing to raise your children up under the right guidelines of the word of God? We talked about, the pastor talked about that this morning and I'm not going to rehash that, but it's in my notes. You know, so. Let me tell you something, being a Christian and making a stand alone is not going to fit in the culture. It's not, gonna, it's not going to mesh with the world today. You might say, well, I want people to like me, and, 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 and I, want, I want them to get on board with me. Then the convictions you had for God and the Bible are no longer there if they ever were there. Look, we have to make a stand for God, and how we do that is having a conviction in our heart that we will not waver, we will not falter, and we will stand for what is right, which is God's word. Amen. Secondly, not only do we see that he, um, uh, he has a willingness to stand alone, but we also see we must have a worship that serves authentic. We must have a worship that serves authentic. What do you mean, Brother Moses? What I mean is it only takes a certain amount of time before you're found out that you're a phony. If you're not truly worshiping God. I know of people. I know of pastors. And I know of, I know of missionaries. That have served God for many many years. But it came out later on. That they were addicted to something. Or they were uh, doing something. That wasn't Christ like or godly. And they had to eliminate themselves. From that position. Because of what's going on. We must have a worship that serves authentic. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Moses is speaking to the Israelites in, in the book of Numbers. It says, be sure your sins will find you out. In this passage, we have rejected traditions. Elijah went against what culture said to do. These people, the prophets of Baal, they, they displayed foolishness. They, they had definite fallacies and they had dominant feelings. The worship of Baal caused them to do a lot of crazy crazy things but just because they were crazy doing their worship of Baal didn't make it authentic you understand that the worship of Baal it came down to the point to where they would hooper and holler and they'd tear their clothes off and they'd start cutting themselves and they'd start screaming to Baal and they'd start do all kinds of immoral, immoral things 
Let me tell you something. Even today, Christians have controversy about this subject. About, you know, let me tell you. A, 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 we are not spiritual because of how emotional we are. We aren't spiritual because of how loud we are. We are not spiritual because of how long or short the message is. There are preachers and pastors today that believe the longer the message, the closer I must be to God. Or there are some preachers that believe as long as they get it within the time limit, I'm close to God. I did what I needed to do. Let me tell you something. The only thing that shows that it is a good message is if it's preached from the word of God. That's the only thing that clarifies that that is a good message. Not how long, not how short. If it's from the King James Version Bible, let me tell you something. I'm ready to hear it. I'm ready to hear it. We must have a worship that serves authentic. Lastly, we, we, we must have a working that showcases the Almighty. This is the awesome part. This is so cool. This is so cool. We see here, he says, how, how, how do we, well, first of all, how do we know whether we are hopping between two opinions? By whether or not God gets the glory or whether we get the glory. That's how we know. Do you get the glory? Do you get the praise? Or does God get the praise? How long halt you between two opinions? First thing is, we see an unquestionable power. Verse number 38. It's not in our text, but it's a little bit later on. It says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The fire came from God. It was an unquestionable thing. It wasn't like uh, Elijah went over with a match and said, well, even though, and we're going to talk about this in a second, even though there's a bunch of water on it, I have a magical touch. No, it was unquestionable that the Lord God was the one that answered his prayer. God showed up. God showed up there on Mount Carmel. Secondly, we see an unexplainable phenomenon. Listen to me. The amount of water poured on that sacrifice. You want to make sure that man can't take credit for God's work? Pour water all over that sacrifice and let God send down fire from heaven to lick it up. Boy, let me tell you something. That'll tell everybody it wasn't you. Listen, come on. It's time for us to point everyone to him. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about pointing everyone to Jesus Christ and saying it's about you, God. And so this is what Elijah does. We're going to pour four barrels of water on this sacrifice. Let me just give you a hint. If you want to build a fire, don't put water on it. That's not the way to get it going. But Elijah here wants to say, listen, you cannot do this and expect me to be the one to get the glory for it. We can't pour water on, on all this and expect everyone to say, oh, way to go, Elijah. Elijah wants to make it a clear point. This is him. This is him. This is the cool part. When I was studying this morning, God showed it to me. I mean, I've had this message prepared for a while, and God showed me this. In the New Testament, when Jesus went to the, went to the woman at the well... He said to the woman at the well, he said, I am the living water. And ye who take from it shall never thirst again. This is what I got from that. With your troubles and your trials, the issues of your life, maybe the addiction you might have, I don't know what it is. It might just be a simple, it might be, well, I say simple, but it might be a trial in your life. Why don't you pour the living water over that issue and let God take care of it? 
Why don't we, we, listen to me, you having a problem with an addiction? Why don't you just pour your heart into the Bible and let the living word of God, like in John 1, 1 says, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. So if, God, if Jesus Christ is the word and Jesus Christ says, I am the living water, why don't we pour the living water, hello, the living water all over us so God can take care of the situation? Man, that's good. Whatever situation comes up, let me tell you something. We had a wonderful week at camp, and I told the teenagers this morning, I can see the fire. I can see the excitement. Why don't we get the church contagious to what we got? Come on. It's okay to get pumped up and excited. Let me tell you something. It concerns me when I hear Christians that say, I love the Lord, but you sit there and you look like you swallowed a profusely sweating toad, and you just don't want to serve the Lord, and you're just sitting there saying, oh, praise be to God, and then your favorite team comes on, and you're hooping and hollering and saying, yeah, way to go, Cardinals. Come on now. There should be something inside of you when somebody sings a song about, the, about when Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead. It just does something to me. It really does. I get excited. I really do. I get so excited when I hear, especially when I read stories like this, and it, God reminds me, you know what? I can take care of your situation if you just let me. That's all you have to do. Let me do it. And so Elijah said, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. Unex unexplainable phenomenon. Lastly, an unfeigned praise. An unfeigned praise. When they were worshiping Baal, they were hooping, hooping and hollering, cutting themselves, doing all kinds, of, all kinds of crazy immoral things. But do you see what the people who truly believed in God when he showed up, what they did? This is what they did in verse number 39. And when all the people saw it, after the fire came down from heaven, basically the Lord showing himself, they fell on their faces. No tearing of their clothes, no cutting of their, hand, of their bodies or anything, no hooping and hollering. What they did is they fell on their faces. How do we know when our worship is directed at God? When God shows up, we get down. We say, God, it's about you. It's not about me. An unfeigned praise. It's not about us. It's about God. In today's church society, that has been reversed, unfortunately. It's been reversed. We are all about our voices on our presentation. That, that we aren't even worshiping God anymore. We worship self. Now listen, I'm all about practicing and doing your very best for the Lord. But I'm so thankful in the book of Psalms when the psalm says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. As long as it's joyful and it's to the Lord, you're okay. Don't let anybody look at you and say, wow, you just sound terrible. Shame on them. Be honest, shame on them. As long as your worship, listen, as long as your worship is authentic, God, it's about you. It's about you. You're in the right. But our churches have gotten these things mixed up. Let me tell you something. Let me ask you. Are you willing to stand alone if it comes right down to it? Friends at work, coworkers, are you willing to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not for all that. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not for your cussing. I'm not for, that's, that's the hard thing, you know. 
to make a stand like that? Because they'll look at you and be like, really? I've never heard it explained like this before, but, but it makes sense. When, because I, I never really made a stand for people who cussed and used the Lord's name in, in vain when I was a young teenager. But I heard a preacher say it like this. Would you be okay if someone badmouthed your mom or your dad? Well, no. You'd stand up for them and say, hey, don't you dare say that about my mama. Don't you dare say that about my daddy. It's no different when they use the Lord's name in vain if you're a saved person. No different. Thou shalt not, use, uh, thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. How are you doing? Are you willing to stand alone? And let me, let me ask you this. Are you able to worship? Is your worship authentic? Or have you been coming to church and playing the part? We want our church to grow. Amen? One of the things that we as a youth group have been praying for since the beginning of the year, one of the challenges that, I, that uh, we had together is that we grow spiritually and then grow in number. Because this is the thing. If we, it's great the way the Lord works. If you grow spiritually, the growing in number will happen by itself. You'll come to visitation. You'll go knock on doors. You'll tell your coworkers about Jesus Christ no matter if they're your friends anymore or not. Brother Dick Webster made a lot of comments about friends and different things about making a stand for Christ. And some of his friends walked away. Some of the friends got saved. Make a stand for Christ. Is your worship authentic? And then lastly, are, is everything that you're doing, you're working, is everything that you're doing, your work is it pointing everyone to the Almighty God? Does it showcase the Almighty? Everything you do, everything you do, by the way, not just when you're here at church, everything you do, does it say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Well, why not? Because my God doesn't want me to. That's what the Bible says. I don't want to do it. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be salt, you shouldn't be light, I'm not saying you shouldn't show love, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be, have a, uh, you know, try to uh, uh, ruin friendships, but what I am saying, we've got to have a, we got to understand that we as Christians have to make a stand for Jesus Christ if we ever want to change the world. How long halt you between two opinions, church? How long halt you between two opinions? 